talking about John 10. And in John 10, Jesus talks about the shepherd. But let me back up real quick. Because this is, this is interesting. If you get in the context of this story, John 10. is in John chapter 9, He has done the third messianic miracle. He's healed a person that was born blind when he made the mud ball, put it on his eyes, told him to go wash at Salome. And then all the Pharisees questioned him, how were you healed? Because we all know that you were blind your whole life. How were you healed? And he said, all I know is the name Jesus. That's all I know. Jesus is the one that did it. And they asked him like two or three times, how were you healed? Jesus is all I know. And then it says, they excommunicated him from the church. Like, you're no longer a part of this group of people. You're booted. You're out. Cut off from friends. Cut off even from family. The crazy thing is, I got a text last night. Somebody sent me a picture of a letter of a local church that's excommunicating one of their members publicly here this next month. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? I Look, I believe in church discipline. <laughs> Trust me, I believe in church discipline. And church discipline even happens in this very group of people right here. What that looks like is this, is that uh, based upon whatever's going on with you, I'm looking above everybody's head right now too, by the way, so. <clears throat> based upon whatever's going on, uh, we may be led by the Spirit, our leadership team, just to come up and lovingly rebuke you and just say, hey, that's something that uh, you need to reconsider. And... Remind, here, here's the whole situation it's not about the sin it's just about reminding you of who you are in Christ that's the whole deal I truly believe that the Spirit has come the Holy Spirit has come and lived inside the church which is you like you've got the holy living God inside of you Amen. and He doesn't condemn you Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If that's the case, the Holy Spirit is not going to bust me for my sin. He's going to remind me of what He did in my life. That He forgave me and that He made me whole and He made me complete. He made me a righteous, holy saint. And he keeps reminding me of that. And so when I continue to make bad choices, they don't line up. And it doesn't feel right. And I know better. Because he keeps reminding me of who I am. And honestly, I believe as a church, that's what we'll continue to do. Now, uh, I'll get into my role of the shepherd here in just a second. My role whatever that is I'm still trying to figure that out but we're in John chapter 10 John chapter 10 and Jesus is now after oh I forgot this probably the biggest part of chapter 9 was 
the healed man, he's no longer blind, he's healed, he can see, he got to see Jesus, and the great thing is, is after he was excommunicated from the church, Jesus went and found him. He went, the man didn't go looking for Jesus, Jesus went to the man who had been booted out by the Pharisees, by the religious people. Jesus went to him. And the man got to see the Messiah, his Savior, the healer of his eyes for the very first time. Now, Jesus has got the Pharisees in front of him and he's talking and he says in John 10.1, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. I was sitting here talking to Rick right before and uh, just the fact that the shepherd was one of the occupations that was considered to be like a peasant level. Like one of the lowest levels that you could take. They didn't make a lot of money. They got the night shift. You know, it was just, it was just a bad deal. And they were constantly working. Now, when Jesus is talking about a shepherd here, he's implying that it's any kind of leader, somebody that's going to lead, whether it be politically or whether it even be spiritually. This is what Jesus is implying. But as you know, as you know, as he's faced the Pharisees over and over and over again, when he begins to tell these stories, which we call parables, who's he talking about? He's typically talking about the Pharisees. And once again, Jesus is now speaking about the Pharisees who just excommunicated this Jewish man who was healed and believes. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep by the pen gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. He's looking at the Pharisees and going, You're thieves, you're robbers. They are communicating a false message, a different he's trying to identify them that, hey, look, these guys aren't telling the whole story. In fact, they're telling part of the story and a whole lot of something else. It's funny this week, uh Brandon sent me this picture this week uh of this Russian Jesus. <laughs> Russian man says he's the reincarnation of Jesus and he already has more than 5,000 followers. Come on, right? Is this, is this the thief that, that we're, we're talking about? Uh, you can flip off that. Go to the next verse there. Here's the crazy thing is, even in this very day, we've got people that are lying to us that are just like totally deceived. And they want to deceive us, and there's a reason for that. The difference is this. I believe that the difference that Jesus is busting the Pharisees about is, is one, is that Jesus believes, and, and honestly, he's, as he tells them this, the difference is when, they, when you're talking about entering the pen, the Pharisees... We're giving the oral law. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say the oral law, we know that Moses received the 
written law. Remember, God wrote his finger, gave him the Ten Commandments, and was given the law. We also have Leviticus that was given to the Levitical priest. If you've ever read Leviticus, it's a lot of laws. So we have the written law right there. And now the Pharisees said, you know what, we kept getting captured and we kept getting pillaged and everything else and all of our people killed and the written law didn't protect us. We, we tried to obey the written law, but because we didn't obey the written law, we got cursed and we got just put out all over the earth. And it's still happening today. <laughs> it is honestly still happening today. And so because the written law wasn't good enough, they decided to add a bunch of oral laws. They wrote a bunch of... A bunch of oral laws. I, I tried to find my mission today, but I didn't grab it in time. But I have a mission that's it's like 1,400 pages of just oral laws that they made up to add to what God's law was. And what this did, it caused them to become very religious. Laws about how they washed their hands and everything else, they just kept adding more and more laws. And you know, honestly, we do this today, right, in America. Somebody does something that's like, oh, they've never done that before. Well, let's make a law about it. We just keep adding more and more laws, and this is basically what the Pharisees have done. But Jesus is saying, the thief comes in, and he's saying that you have to come through the gate through this oral law. Jesus is saying, you only have to come through the written law. Now remember, this is before he went to the cross. This is Old Covenant. They had to obey the law. Jesus is saying, the only law that you have to obey is that of my Father, the written law. But they're giving you a whole bunch of other stuff that you have to do. And they're lying to you. They're thieves. They're overly religious, is what he's saying. And then verse 2, it says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, Picture this for a second. The the pen, the pen that the sheep stayed in typically was a rock wall fence that was built against the dwelling of a house. Like it used the outside wall of a of a house and then the pen was built around it. And so the sheep would like graze out in the yard and then at night the shepherd would bring them in and there was literally one door, one gate into this pen. Sometimes two houses shared the same pen and the pen would be between the two houses. And then they shared responsibilities of being the shepherd. But there was only one door, one gate that was protected. In verse 3 it says, The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That is a pretty cool picture right there. Because literally, the shepherd has named each sheep. No matter how many he has, they all have names. The shepherd knows them intimately. This one has a spot on its ear. This one, you know, is a little bit more fluffier. It's like, I've got raccoons and I have not named my raccoons because I can't tell them apart. My family swears that we have like two white raccoons and I'm like, no, we have one. We have one. But the shepherd knows these sheep so intimately that he's named them and he knows them. 
And he calls them out by name. He calls them out by name. And then it says in verse 4, When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now we're going to get into some real practical some real practical information for you right here. They know his voice. How many of y'all hear voices? <laughs> Let me ask that again. How many up here in your head hear voices? I'm assuming that every one of you do. We call that thinking. And these voices, let me tell you where they come from. I can tell you, identify where they come from. They come from three places. First of all, they come from your brain. Your brain is like this piece of meat. It's the fattiest organ in your body. Just a little piece of information there. But it's your hard drive. Just like on your phone, your phone, your phone has so many gig that it can hold. Your brain holds all this information. And it's collected information ever since the day that you were really conceived. That's a lot of information. Like everything that you've touched, everything that you've smelled, everything that you've seen, everything that you've heard, everything that you've tasted is logged into your hard drive. It's there. Some people have this uncanny knack that they can go back on a certain date and, real, and remember what they did on a specific date. You have that same information logged in your brain. You just don't have the ability to tap into it. It's logged there. So occasionally, you're going to get thoughts based upon what you've already done in your experiences that's logged into your head based upon your five senses. You with me? You're getting thoughts from that, your past experiences, both good and bad. Then the other place that you one other place that you're getting it is you're getting it from I believe the evil one. I believe that you get bad thoughts. Like if Second Corinthians five seventeen says that you're a new creation, and we sit here and I've already said that you're wholly redeemed and you're forgiven and you're a new man, you're a new person, how in the world do you get these nasty, wicked thoughts? Because you've got some pretty nasty, wicked thoughts. You know why I know that? Because I have them too. And then I've come to the point in my own spiritual maturity where I realize I'm not the one that's manufacturing those thoughts. Those thoughts are coming in my head, but they're coming in in the form of sin. This whole power of sin. As we look at Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, verse uh, 17, it says, So now I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. You have to answer the question, what is it? <laughs> what is it? You can't sit here and say, oh, well, it's talking about uh, I'm no longer the one sinning because if you did that, then you would, as John says, that you would be saying that you're a liar because I know that we all still sin, right? I still sin. I still make bad choices. So what is it? I'm no longer the one doing I'm not the one that's putting these bad thoughts in my head. 
it's sin living in me. Now look, I'm a wholly redeemed person. My spirit and my soul is perfect because of what Jesus did on the cross. Did you hear that? My spirit and my soul, which is eternal, which lives forever, is already perfect, redeemed. Nothing can be done to make it better than it already is. Because Jesus did that on the cross, right? He's not getting back up on the cross. There's no other magic wand or fairy dust that, that changes. But I still have this issue because I have this flesh suit that the power of sin is like dwelling in and it's still like sending me negative thoughts. Well, this flesh suit, which is really neutral, there's, there's nothing really to this. It's going back into the dirt. It's going back to ashes. And that power of sin will no longer have a process to mess with me when I die. But right now, it obviously does. And so now I'm getting my thoughts through my brain. I'm getting my thoughts through the power of sin. But guess what? I'm getting thoughts from the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead because He lives in me and He's constantly talking to me. He's constantly talking to me. The Spirit of God that lives in me is constantly talking to me. He's encouraging me. He's loving me. He's hanging out with me. So now I've got thoughts from three different places and I have to walk spiritually mature and go, okay, this is the battle. This is the game. This thought's coming from here. This thought's coming from here. This thought's coming from here. Like a baby, you begin to take a step at a time and you begin to walk. This is a lie. This is truth. This is a lie. This is truth. And then eventually you begin to walk and it makes sense to you and you begin to walk upright. Because you know when the Father's speaking to you and when the Father of lies is speaking to you. And then he says in verse 8, or verse 5, excuse me, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Uh, can I have just one Hayward girl up here? Just any one of you. Come on. just one. Thank you, Kelsey. Come right up here. Now, Kelsey, this is just an illustration. You ever seen one of these? Yeah. Put this on real quick. You can you can back can, you got it on? I think so. Back up here so you can feel this chair. I don't want you to fall off stage, okay? okay. Stay right there. Can you see? No. You can't see anything. No. You can see down here probably. Alright. Now, uh Chad, I want you to get up. Don't move, Kelsey. I want you to move someplace else in the room. And Luke, you're kind of boisterous. I want you to get up and move, move someplace else in the room. And uh, Brandon, you're boisterous too. You get up and move someplace else. Just three. This is just a good illustration right here. Now. Uh, I'm going to point to you and I just want you to call out to Kelsey to come to you. Kelsey, don't move, okay? Alright? 
So I'm just just call for Kelsey. Now, Kelsey, point to where your dad is. Thank you very much. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Kelsey, you can take that off. <laughs> have a seat. Thank you. Do you get my point? Why did she know where her father was? She knows his voice. She she can tell the difference between the three different voices. She knows her dad so well. No question about it, he's standing right there. No question about it. She knows her father so well. How do you hear the Father's voice? How do you separate what's going on up here? How do those sheep, when He calls them by their name, know that it's their shepherd that's calling them? Because they know Him so well. They know Him. Do you know your shepherd? Let me set Rick straight. I'm not your shepherd. You have to look a little higher than me. I may be the shepherd of like Leavener. And I told you, the shepherd protects. And I've always told you, there's only about two things that I protect in this whole thing. I... I wish I could protect you a little bit deeper. I wish that I could like hang out with you 24-7 and no, you don't want that. I don't want that. Lord, help me. I used to think that's what I was though. I, honestly. I used to think that, that I was responsible for the behavior of my students in my youth ministry and that if they were all messing up, then it made me look bad because I was trying to control them. And then I finally got to the point where I realized, this ain't working. This doesn't work. It doesn't even work on my own kids. Oh, I guess I'm just going to have to trust the Lord. Whew. That took some pressure off. That took some pressure off. That literally, I I can't be your accountability partner. In fact, there's nobody in here that can be your accountability partner. The only one that's going to be your accountability partner is the shepherd. The shepherd. I said I protect two things. I protect the stage. I protect what is displayed and told off of this stage. Because I want you to hear one message. One message. That you're holy, righteous, and redeemed because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And I'll protect that kids area back there too. 
Just you parents will protect that. We got good people back there that love your kids and are hopefully being safe with your kids. I'm hanging out with some of the leaders Tuesday night. They give up a week every month to hang out with your kids and teach them about Jesus, to teach them their identity, to teach them when they're babes about who they are in Christ. Those are the two areas I'll probably protect as your as a shepherd. But trust me, I'm not your shepherd. Look a little higher. Look to Jesus. Jesus says he is the shepherd. It says verse uh, 7 Excuse me, six. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Again, he's telling them a parable. He's telling he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, Because you blaspheme me, you're not going to understand this. So he keeps telling the stories. Uh, you guys are the shepherds and you're really thieves. They don't have a clue what he's talking about. You're not talking about us. Verse seven it says, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you. I am the gate for the sheep. This is the beauty of it right here. Just think about, I am, he says, I am the shepherd. This is the third time that Jesus has said, I am. I am. When you say, I am, you think about God saying that back in Deuteronomy. And you go, whoa, I am. Jesus says, I am. And then at the same time, he says, the shepherd, the lowly peasant job. He's got God. Like, I am this massive definition of who he is. And then he's like, I'm the shepherd. I come as you as low as I can to be with you and to protect you and to lead you. Verse 8, it says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. Not a shepherd. I, I, I focus on this real quick. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I grew up thinking that if I was going to be saved, I was going to be saved from what? I was going to be saved from what? Huh? I was going to be saved from hell. Right? That's what I was taught. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to be saved from hell. I've learned so much more since then. Like, what am I saved from? Can I hear you? What am I saved from? Saved from, I'm saved from sin. What else am I saved from? I'm saved from despair. I'm saved from fear. Can I hear you? What am I saved from? The power of sin that dwells in my flesh. I'm saved from that. Like, I have a way out, people. I don't have to do that. I don't have to succumb to the power of sin that's feeding lies to my brain. I'm saved from that. 
What else am I saved from? Separation from God. Absolutely. Look, I'm not going to ask for Him to come here. He's already here. He's right here. He's right here. I'm saved from this earthly body. (laughs) You get it? It's going back. It's going back to where it came from. Back to the dust. Verse 10, it says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Here we go. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Who is the thief? In this parable right here, Jesus is pointing to the Pharisees. The thief is the Pharisees. But who in the world is working through the Pharisees? The evil one, Satan, is working through the Pharisees. John 8.44. You know who told the very first lie? Satan. We know that because in eight, four, two chapters earlier, Jesus says because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. It originated from him. And anyone that adds to the gospel, anyone that adds to this truth right here, anybody that adds to the written law that Jesus was teaching and living out is a thief and a liar. And Jesus has just called the Pharisees that. I did Officer Ron Shepard's graveside last Saturday. The mayor and all the administration from Fishers were there. The Fishers cops were there. And I had basically them standing around the graveside. Weren't sitting down, weren't comfortable. We were outside. I had basically five minutes to tell the gospel. And I told him, because Ron Shepherd believe in Jesus, he's with Jesus. And when I walked away, when I walked away, guess what happened? The power of sin immediately began working on me. You know, there were a lot of, a lot of good Christian people here, and they probably think that I didn't deliver the message clearly enough. There is a lot of people there and, and you know all you said was that Ron believed in Jesus <laughs> that's it I had to like I had to go back to the truth that's it Ron believed in Jesus he didn't go to church he just believed in Jesus that was it it's that simple is what Jesus is saying. The thief comes to steal. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. Some of you really get that. Some of you really, really get that. Listen to this. Whoever you're fighting with, whoever you're fighting with, draw back and see the bigger picture and realize who you're fighting with. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He may do it through family members. He may do it through other avenues. But don't ever forget who's doing it. 
we're in a spiritual battle. There's no question about it. But Jesus says this, I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. I once believed, I once believed, okay, I'm going to have a great life because I believe in Jesus. I'm not going to have to deal with a lot of suffering. That is so far from what he's just said right here. As I've grown, I've come to understand he meant something totally different. I have come so that they may have life. Guess what Colossians, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Wait, wait, wait. When Christ is your life, I came so that you might have life. When I was eight years old, I believed and I literally died because of Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When I was eight years old, I died right there. It says, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body right here, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So now all of a sudden, I died when I was eight. I didn't realize what actually happened, but I do now. And Christ is living with me. It's not about my circumstances. It's not about my situation. It's about Christ living in me. Jesus came to give me His life. And how much of Christ's life do I have? I have an abundance. I got the full deal. Not, 90, 90, not 99%. I got the whole deal. He's willing to do it. Romans 5.10 says, If for a while we were enemies, we were reconciled. That's past tense. We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His faith, by His life? That's present tense and future tense. He's living His life out. I asked the question in this room. What? This is the hard part right here. This is the hard part. Okay, people go, what does that mean? How, how do you let Christ live an abundant life in you? I ask you, what does that mean? What does that look like? Hello? Believe. What? Believe. What do you mean believe? Walk as if. Believe. That's hard to do, Luke. <laughs> he says, I know. Wendy.
Amen. Right on. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, KD. Ignore. <laughs> Can you say that a little louder? Ignore what is irrelevant. Oh, gosh. Can I get that in my head, please? That where it's all like going around? What's the irrelevant? Realizing that this is not our home. Realizing that this is not my home. There's something greater that's waiting for me. Even though I got it pretty good right now, I came that Christ is living in me. Watch this. We close out right here. It says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. You just excommunicated one of your dudes. You didn't even care about him. You're terrible shepherd he's saying this to the Pharisees I'm the good shepherd I know my own and my own know me when I call their name they hear my voice and they know it's me just as the father knows me and I know the father I lay down my life for the sheep and he did but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. You know what he just said right there? Hey Pharisees, you're not going to understand this, but right now I've got a few sheep with the Jews that are here, but i got another whole flock that are Gentiles. And they're going to believe and I'm going to put them together as one flock. The Jews and the Gentiles are going to be together and there's going to be one shepherd, one God. This is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus is like saying... I'm doing everything that me and my father said that we were going to do. We said we were going to come and give you life, and that's what we've done. And watch this as it ends here. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and he's crazy. Why do we listen to him? Others were saying, These aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Look what Jesus has done. I'm going to close it out. I've asked Michelle to come up here real quick. Come on. This is Michelle Hernandez. Yeah, so you can sit right there. Yeah, yeah. This won't take long. Uh... Michelle, how long have I known you? Use the mic. Ten years? How long has Lavender been going on? Uh, 2007. So ten, ten years? years? Yeah, ten years. Yeah, Heard about you before that. but uh, yeah. Oh, she heard about me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you came, you left, you came back. Tell me about your journey of coming back here real quick. 
I had something written out, but I don't. I didn't know what he was going to ask me. I feel like I'm in the Miss Universe pageant, but okay. <laughs> This ought to be a good answer then. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, we found, so yeah, we are resting. We, you know, we just had a little time that we. Don't, uh, don't mention uh, any churches. No, okay, no, I certainly won't. Um, okay, so the way I grew up, and probably a lot of you guys did, was, you know, we had, like, my friend April was pregnant as a teenager, so had to come up to the front and confess her sin to everybody. Um, April never went back, right? Never went back to that church. Um, her family's still there. But anyway, um, I knew I didn't want that for my children by any means. Um, so, but you get caught up a lot of times in the, uh, oh, but this church has great music, or this church has a phenomenal kids program with slides even. And, you know, I've got all these little kids thinking, oh, they would love that. They would love going to church. Um and we tried that a little bit, and you realize it's just there's nothing what Rusty's teaching around. You know that um, I think the most important thing for me for these kids after growing up in that strict church that I did, um, I never wanted them to feel like they had to do more and more and more to please God. Um, you had to be in one more Bible study. You had to go to Wanas. You had to learn one more Bible verse, and God looked at you differently if you did. Because I think that's how a lot of kids do grow up. Um, nothing about their salvation. They knew they were going to heaven, but it's a big deal how somebody looks at you. And I wanted them to know that Christ looks at them the same, no matter what. No matter if they fall on their face tomorrow, no matter if they go and tell many people about Jesus. They are the same, forgiving love, no matter what. And I wasn't finding that wherever else we went. Okay, so... No, no, you're, you're doing it. I, I didn't bring her up here to, like, promote this or promote me or anything like that. This is definitely not about me. Uh, it's, it's really one of the things that you've said that you've told me is you want, uh, I don't want to answer for you, but what did you want for your kids when they heard the other messages? Mm-hmm. The other messages, do you know what I'm talking about? They heard the other messages. Were they able to discern? They were able to discern just because they had Henry and I to discern for them. And um, thank goodness, thank goodness that we knew the truth. Because if we didn't, you know, putting them back into any fancy children's program is not going to help because they're going to learn the same thing over and over. You know, you have to ask for forgiveness. You're not forgiven until you ask. And until you don't, you know, God looks at you. He shames you away, etc. So... They were able to serve because we had taught them before. This is this is the whole point right here. Is this is the beauty of we don't obviously we don't have any glamorous children's programs or activities or anything like that because I believe I truly believe if the parents can get in here and figure this thing out, if they can figure this thing out, they've got the kids the whole week. We get them for thirty minutes, or if I go longer, <laughs> like today. You know, and they're going to teach for like five, ten minutes back there. But the parents have them all week long, and they're the, if you guys can't discern this thing, if you can't figure this thing out up here, you hear what I'm saying? Because you're the ones that are going to be hanging out with your teenagers. You're going to want to be the ones where they hear your voice. Hear your voice. Do you think your kids are able to discern at this point? What do you guys think? <laughs> they're looking at you like yeah, that. Yeah, I think... 
Well, I think I mean I think they can discern it, and I think I think the huge thing is the power of the Holy Spirit, which I never even learned that much about growing up. But really, until I came here, that they have every every fruit of the Spirit inside of them, so they can make decisions based on that. And Mallory had to make a huge decision this last year, and. I won't get into it, but she kept going to campus to campus and kept saying, no, 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 no. And finally, and I kept saying, Mallory, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, peace inside of you. If you have that peace, you are going to know. It's not my peace, it's your peace. So she ends up on the campus after many, just felt peace a minute she walked on. Turns out the coach is a believer. Homeschools his children, you know, does Bible study with the girls, etc. And I thought that was a piece, and that's why it, she had waited so long to get that piece. So she was able to discern because of that. Otherwise, I think she would have done what everybody else told her to do, and that wouldn't have been right for her. You got to know the truth. Know the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? Know the voice of the Father. Father, I pray for. Uh, my family out here, my friends, I thank you for 